Welcome to the Sunbury Press Book Show on the BookSpeak Network. Sunbury Press publishes print, electronic, and audiobooks under a variety of imprints and categories available worldwide wherever books are sold. And now your host, the founder and CEO of Sunbury Press, Lawrence Knorr. We're at the Christian Baker Farm near historic Boiling Springs, Pennsylvania. My guest today is author Herbert Dean Ely. He's the author of Dead Man Who Walks Away, parts one and two. The legend of a survivor of the massacred Peralta mining expedition circa 1850 near Superstition Mountain in Arizona says that a survivor was assisted in a bar fight by Jacob Waltz, the Dutchman. In gratitude, he showed Waltz the location of what would become the famous Lost Dutchman Mine. After much research, the author decided that the above legend is the only one of the many that makes any sense as to the origin of the gold of the Lost Dutchman treasure. Although fictional, this story follows closely the legend as never before told from the standpoint of the Peraltas and also of the Yavapai and Apache tribes. The author has endeavored to portray all these and the strong women in this story with feeling and honor. Yes, the author has been to the Lost Dutchman mind. Herbie Lee, educated primarily in Illinois and East Tennessee, spent time with the U.S. Air Force, which included being stationed in the Strategic Air Command underground. After the military, he served in management executive positions in the cement and armored car ATM industries. Mr. Ely has resided for the past 40 years in Arizona near Superstition Mountain. This has resulted in a keen interest in the legends of the Southwest, including the Lost Dutchman Mine and the Peralta Massacre. He was certainly not the first, but was one of the very few who have located and visited the Lost Dutchman Mine. Herb, welcome. Thank you. So, what a career, and uh, this Lost Dutchman Mine is certainly legendary. I'm not quite sure where to begin, but maybe it'd be best to uh, talk a little bit about the Lost Dutchman Mine. What is that legend? Uh, Those that might not know as much about it, remind us. The Lost Dutchman Mine in Arizona has been the subject of most Arizonans and people who came here as soon as they get here, it seems like every every uh, billboard, every sign, every advertisement, every uh, small business is the Lost Dutchman this or the Lost Dutchman that. But actually, it, it, it's a story of uh, of uh, a German, not a Dutchman, uh, Jacob Waltz, and uh, uh, his acquisition of what he called a mine, and uh, uh, the fact that he kept showing up with... Uh, uh, considerable amounts of gold from this mine, and it was always it was always processed gold. It wasn't just uh, uh, quartz with uh, uh, a few specks or a little vein going through it uh, to be uh, uh, broken away. It was already done, and that had speculation going on. Well, what happened? Uh, how that could possibly have occurred? Well, there was a lot of stories. A lot of stories, and, and most of them occurring after the fact, after the Dutchman had it, and for many years after, until his death, and since, unfortunately. But uh, uh, they are so many and so varied and so, as I found, uh, foolish. <laughs> uh, they are they're laced with uh, with all sorts of uh, suspicion, uh, superstition. Uh, uh, religious in, innuendo, uh, uh, all the crazy mystical things that could happen to provide this great lost Dutchman mine. 
and uh, we got got to the bottom of it by uh, kind of happenstance, really. I had a an old friend that I'd known since pre-kindergarten uh, show up out here uh, uh, to visit the family many years ago, and at the time that my uh, daughter needed an essay written for her high school, and uh, needed a subject unique to Arizona. There you go. And it was. Uh, it turned out uh, to be uh, the lost Dutchman mine. Where is it really? <laughs> so, so we did the research for her, the legwork, and uh, she got the A. And Jim Davia and I were hooked into trying to find this thing. And it goes on and on from there. But the Dutchman is a uh, uh, a stable out here as far as. Uh, uh, things to talk about <laughs> yeah well interesting about the, the term dutchman of course being from i'm i would call myself a pennsylvania dutchman know that we're not holland dutch um that dutch being uh, an abomination of deutsch which right. is german essentially german speaking and of course back in the time of jakob waltz uh he uh there wasn't even a german nation so uh, yeah, interesting uh, history. Now, was was Jacob a an early immigrant to America, or was he somebody that came over like Gold Rush era from the German states? Uh, he came actually. Uh, uh, his arrival was uh, uh, not even in in the West. He came in was actually working the uh, uh, gold mines that had been discovered in the Carolinas. Okay, and. Uh, uh, eventually migrated out here and worked a few mines out in the, out in California and found his way uh, to Arizona uh, kind of as an offshoot of the uh, the uh, discovery at Sutter's Mill. And uh, it, it, it just just doing hap, you know haphazard jobs. He was educated man. He was uh, educated in Württemberg, uh, uh, Germany and in uh, in in the areas of geology and uh, surveying. Okay. And he, he knew what he was doing, but uh, he could not get a strike anywhere out here. And, uh, and he was desperately looking for one. And uh, time and events uh, provided it for him in a very strange way. Yeah, I guess uh, one question I would have now, I have a little bit of background with the gold rush. My great-great-uncle, David Bear Hackman, went west for the gold rush in 1850. He was a Pennsylvania Mennonite, so the book's called A Pennsylvania Mennonite and the California Gold Rush. And he wrote his, um, he was writing back to his mother and his brother letters about the trip across the plains and then his experiences in the gold fields. He also kept a journal, and some years ago I came upon this and thought, oh, this is really, he's very articulate, it was a very interesting story, it was a primary source, turned that into a book. But point being, uh, the focus was California, and so along come and, and a lot of the people that went to California, like he was descended from colonial era immigrants that had been in Pennsylvania for over a hundred years. Uh, and he decides to take off and, and go to California for, you know, to strike it rich. His brother, my ancestor was more sensible and stayed behind and became a lawyer, a judge and owned a farm. So, you know, I think he ended up better off. But the <laughs> he didn't have the stories that his brother had. But Jacob sounds like uh, a lot of the people that came over in the early to mid-1800s came from all over the world, certainly many from the German states, 
And uh, this guy sounds more like a technician, uh, a very knowledgeable geologist looking to hit it, hit it big. Uh, did not realize he came to the Carolinas. And did he go to California for any stretch, or did he go right to yes, Arizona? Yes, he did. He definitely did. And uh, but uh, again, uh, time and circumstance uh, found him found him in in Arizona, and primarily because uh, they were finding gold. In other parts of Arizona, uh, west of here, uh, a, a place called Wickenburg, uh, there's a was a large mining operation called the Vulture Mine, and uh, that they pulled a lot of gold out of there. And he was working that for a very short time, but again, he left it, and uh, nobody heard about him for a little while. And all of a sudden, he pops up with this. Uh, this other situation. <laughs> well, Herb, we got to take our first break, so we're going to be right back talking to Herb Ely, the author of Dead Man Who Walks Away. We'll be right back. Sunbury Press Books brings the reader unique and independent works of fiction and nonfiction. Oxford Southern is our educational and academic imprint. Releases such as Philip Mosley's Telling of the Anthracite, Art a la Carte, a memoir of a wayfaring art teacher by Marianne Bickett, and Mildred Schindler Jansen's autobiography, Surviving Hitler, Evading Stalin. Click on the Oxford Southern link for more at sunburypress.com. I'm back with Herb Ely, the author of Dead Man Who Walks Away. We're talking about the legendary lost Dutchman mine that apparently everybody who's ever gone through Arizona knows about and is looking for it. <laughs> and, uh, you know, what what intrigues me about this is just, you know, I don't know a whole lot about it. You've probably taught me more talking this morning and, and then your two books. But uh, may, maybe we should talk about why your books, even though they're fiction— are important in telling this story. I'm, I'm guessing there's probably aspects of the story that there's just no way of knowing what was said or done at certain times, and you had to fill in those gaps. But you know, fill, fill us fill us in on the the two novels that might be more uh, truth than fiction. Okay, uh, uh, starts a long time before uh, Dave, uh, <laughs> before Jacob Walls actually, but uh, back in the in the late 1700s, the uh, Spanish we're out here doing our conquistador thing and uh, going around uh, supporting the missionaries, etc. And uh, one of the big deals was not only uh, converting the Indians to Christianity, but uh, uh, they'd heard all kinds of rumors about gold and cities, the seven cities of Cibola, etc. And they believed all those stories, and they were actively looking for gold. And they were very good at it. They they found gold out here. And uh, uh, But then... Uh, uh, they had to uh, uh, give a large percentage of that gold back to the Spanish king, and uh, the, uh, the the various religious entities, uh, uh, the king su- uh, suspected them of hoarding it and not giving him his fair share. So he uh, he switched from the Jesuits to the Franciscans, and they still kept working. But they were using Indian labor, hmm. and the Indians weren't wild about that because uh, most of the times it was uh, – under the whip they're being taught christianity but at the end of a whip so uh, they revolted and uh, the first expedition that uh, don peralta Daniel peralta uh, uh, initiated out here uh, found a lot of gold and they took a lot of gold and they were actually run out by the avapai finally who rebelled against the uh, the uh, the problems and uh, oh 15 20 years went by 
and they were getting close in Mexico to the Gadsden Purchase era. And he realized that uh, uh, once that happened, and it was going to happen, they all knew it was, that uh, their rights in, in what is now Arizona would be useless. So he mounted another expedition, a large expedition, and this is where the facts kind of get uh, lost in the in the mists of time. But he had to have a large expedition to go back to the old mines, open them up again, and, and get what he knew was a lot of gold left and bring it back to Sonora. They did that. Uh, they had uh, had their adventures getting up uh, up in this area. They had their adventures uh, dealing with the Yavapai, who wanted them out but wasn't strong enough yet to do it. And they wanted to get out, but they didn't have enough gold yet to go. And uh, finally time ran out. The Yavapai uh, uh, made a, uh, an agreement with their allies, the Apache, and uh, basically uh, worked out a very good plan to annihilate the uh, second Peralta expedition. And uh, the uh, 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 result was that that, that, uh, that the, the entire expedition was annihilated at a place called Massacre Ground on okay. the north. A good name for of, it. <laughs> uh, yeah, and uh, uh, the story said that that uh, one survivor, Don Miguel Peralta. Uh, came back years later after that massacre, after he survived it, uh, and it was assisted in a barroom brawl with uh, 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 some lowlifes, and uh, Jacob Waltz jumped in when he heard the name Peralta and uh, uh, kind of saved his bacon. And in, re- in gratitude, uh, supposedly Don Miguel uh, showed him where the mine was. And, uh, and the story goes on from there. But... Uh, uh, the survivor, it turned out, could not possibly have been Don Miguel Peralta because records show he was in California at the time. Okay. And he never came back to Arizona for any reason after that. So there had to be another survivor. And that's where the fiction jumps in, and I created uh, Lieutenant Diego de Villa and, as the uh, lone survivor. And uh, having survived the massacre, uh, he had to... Uh, he wanted to get out of the area. He hated it, and uh, the nightmare was just too much. And he spent uh, a number of years uh, uh, getting rid of that nightmare, basically, and uh, becoming successful in the southern Arizona, Arizona area. And uh, he uh, finally has to come back. He has to face his fears and come back and uh, retrieve some of that gold and in so doing, uh, 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 showed Jacob Waltz where that mine was. Now, Jacob Waltz, of course, now he's a real figure, historic figure. Um, how much do you think he pulled out of there? How much wealth? Is there any, any like, really good records, any forensic records of the quantity of gold that some of these people got? Or is that still ambiguous, too? There have been so many guesstimates as to how much gold he had. But supposedly, on his deathbed, when, when he died, they found $15,000 worth of gold under his bunk. <laughs> and he was being cared for by a woman named Julia Thomas. And uh, uh, realizing he was bad off, he, uh, he told her, 
gave her instructions as to how to find the mine. But, you know, when people think they might be dying, they really don't believe it. <laughs> and so this cantankerous old guy, uh, he told her where the mine was and how to get to it. But he didn't tell her he moved the gold. <laughs> it turns out that he did not do much much mining himself with a pick and shovel. Mm-hmm. Uh, he found the stash that the Peraltas left, and it was already bagged and, and, and ready to go by mule packs when the massacre occurred. And uh, he found the stash, and thanks to uh, the survivor. And uh, so he just basically kept bringing bringing bags of it now and then back into town. And wherever he moved that gold was, uh, I refer to it as, as Jacob Waltz's ATM out in the desert. Uh, <laughs> he just he, he just would go when it was when it was right and come back with some gold and and people knew it, but they couldn't uh, they didn't know where. Mm. Actually, newspaper accounts kind of give 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 us a clue. Uh, it regards to certain lowlifes who who uh, would occasionally follow him out of town. And he took quite a uh, quite a walk to uh, to uh, uh, misguide them. He would leave and, and go east along the, the the Salt River towards Superstition Mountain. But before he got there, he made a left and went up the Verde River, and uh, he camped at a place called Needle Rocks. And it's a very safe place to camp. And he knew he was being followed, and he just waited to see what would happen. And then uh, he would go off to the northwest up. Camp Creek, and uh, eventually get up to where the go where the, the mine was. But he had no worries because he knew he was safe until he actually got to the mine, because they didn't know where it was. But uh, Camp Creek has a series of switchbacks for about a mile and a half, very sharp switchbacks, and any one of them is a perfect ambush spot because you could just run your horses up a little bit, walk back, and stand behind one of these switchbacks. And as they walk by, you've got range 10 feet, and uh, that's it. It's over. I seriously believe he ambushed his followers, hmm. but uh, I don't have proof of that. But the newspaper said none of them ever came back. Only Jacob Waltz came back. we got to take another break. Talking to Herb Ely, the author of Dead Man Who Walks Away. We'll be right back. Sunbury Press Books brings you the work of independent, diverse authors. Hearth and Home Press brings you When I Listen to a Farmer by Pete Curran, a book of photos and stories from American farmers. Also check out Fly Fishing for Trout and Bass, a beginner's quick guide by Charles F. Johnson, and At Home, 92 home-based activities to keep adults and children busy, sane, and centered by Prudence Ingerman. Find these and other intriguing works at sunburypress.com. I'm back with Herbert Dean Ely, the author of Dead Man Who Walks Away, and we're talking about the legendary Lost Dutchman Mine. And uh, I love this idea of the golden era of Jacob Waltz, (laughs) the golden age, whatever you want to call it, his golden years of walking into the hills, um, confusing his followers and uh, actually maybe uh, diverting them away from reality. It sounds like... it sounds like over the course of the rest of his lifetime, he managed to get all the gold out of the mine, uh, didn't leave anything behind. And that, you know, you claim you've, you've been there. So maybe tell us a little bit about that, that ending for him and your experience. The, the, the actual mine is actually 
a, a, a central location. It was in one of the main mines that uh, uh, the, the, the original uh, Peralta expedition uh, dug and used as his headquarters. But it has a, a, a rastra across the wash and where they would break the, uh, the gold out of the quartz and, and, and bag it. So he was, uh, when Jacob Waltz found it, he had bags of, of almost pure, pure gold there without any quartz or anything mixed in. But, uh, it's, uh, that area, <clears throat> excuse me, was, uh, was used for the processing and storage of the gold before they were going to make their run back to uh, Sonora. Mm-hmm. And uh, they had accumulated quite a bit because there are probably, uh, probably my research indicated 35 to 50 of the, of the previous mine holes within about a three-mile circumference of that area. And there's holes all over the place. And what I'm thinking is that, there's a, uh, uh, his crews, mining crews, w- would bring this gold back to that one central area it would be stored. And uh, when the time came when the Yavapai and the Apache attacked, then uh, they could only take so much, and they stashed the rest of it. So you had a year's mining of numerous uh, uh, holes in the ground that had been producing over the years and, and previous times and was continuing to do so then. So you could have quite a bit of gold. Uh, that, was, uh, <laughs> that was the whole idea to get it back uh, before the gas and purchase took effect, and uh, it didn't work. So uh, the, the, at this point, uh, how much gold is still out there waiting to could be an awful lot. Mm. He could have used it, but he wasn't bringing in more than a bag at a time. So it could have been, could be a lot, a lot of gold back out there. And he hid it where no miner would look for it. In other words, it's not where geologically it should be. So, out there in the plain area of the desert somewhere is a pile of gold, I think. <laughs> and my partner and I still haven't found it. <laughs> my Obviously. partner being my old buddy. <laughs> yeah. yeah. That's a shame. I know a lot of people are looking, though. <laughs> yeah. Somewhere they're going to build a golf course and they're going to find it. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, what are all these old leather bags with this yeah, right. iron pyrite in it? Oh, wait, that's actual gold. <laughs> Well, Herb, uh, fascinating tale, and uh, what are you going to be doing with it? Are there any places that you'll be out talking about this uh, once the book's available widely? Well, once this thing gets out locally, uh, it might not be the most popular thing, unless people like controversy. Hmm. Because people have been searching for this gold a long time in the superstitions. And they haven't found it because it's not in the superstitions, <laughs> and that that's the whole reason. People have died looking for it. We even had a Arizona attorney general spent most of his off time up in the superstitions looking for the gold, checking out silly clues that don't make any sense. And <laughs> there's a lot of them. That thing about uh, Weaver's needle uh, pointing at its shadow at four o'clock in the afternoon to mm-hmm. the toward the uh, gold. It didn't work out like that. What he meant was that, that from the top of his mind, Weaver's Needle was at 4 o'clock. Well, you face north at 12 o'clock, and you swing your arm around to 4 o'clock, and it points to Weaver's Needle. So it makes sense if you draw a line from 4 o'clock at Weaver's Needle to 10 o'clock on a map, 
that line is going to be probably right over the mine. And guess what? It is. <laughs> uh, but nobody did that. Uh, all kinds of crazy things uh, from the mine. You can see the old military road and the superstitions, but can't see the mine from the military road. Mm-hmm. And it was interesting because when, when Jacob Waltz, before uh, uh, Jacob Waltz got into it, there was never a military road in the superstitions. There still isn't. It's the old road from, from uh, Fort Whipple down to Fort McDowell, and it goes right past the mine. So, yeah, it, it works if you think it through. <laughs> did Waltz, There's a lot of people who killed up there. Did Waltz uh, actually leave any anything to any heirs? Or? I believe he had a sister uh, or, or some close relative like that and her in-laws. And they uh, uh, they really couldn't claim anything because they didn't know where it was. But they came out here and took whatever clues he had and and... and Tried to find it. They tried to find it for years. Unfortunately, they were they were looking, thanks to uh, the erroneous information from years ago and uh, and from articles that have been written uh, since uh, until their time, uh, that were basically just uh, feeding off of previous erroneous information. Hmm. So they never found it. And uh, there have been other famous people looking for it. There's Adolf Roof uh, in the 1930s. Uh, uh, they they found his head uh, a few yards away from his body, wow. uh, the skeleton, and with a big hole in it. And uh, things like that have been happening in the superstitions, and they blame it on the mysticism around the Dutchman, which is crazy because this is years and years after the Dutchman. <laughs> but they actually, the Forest Service actually closed the Superstition Mountain area to uh, prospecting. Because too many people were getting killed for nothing out there. This has been done for a couple of decades. Wow. Crazy place. Well, Herb, it's been, <laughs> been fascinating talking to you. This this legend is uh, it, it's legendary. <laughs> yes. It, <laughs> well, I'll yeah. be honest. It's it been an adventure. Yeah. Yeah, no, are you still looking for those nuggets out there in the hills, or or you think you're going to give up on it? It's kind of like a lottery ticket kind of thing. I it's, keep playing. Uh, it's worse than that. He was a cantankerous old bugger, and I'll tell you, he put it where nobody would find it, believe me. Mm-hmm. But uh, we, we go out and take a look at it now and then. Yeah. Well, Herb, it's been great having you on. We have been talking Pleasure. to Herb Dean Ely, the author of Dead Man Who Walks Away, Parts 1 and 2 the story of the Lost Dutchman Mine. This has been the Sunbury Press Book Show. Thank you for listening to the Sunbury Press Book Show on the BookSpeak Network. Check out our website at www.sunburypress.com for our latest releases. Be sure to subscribe to our newsletter to receive special offers and discounts.